This is a special short episode of the Women's Health Podcast. I had a chance to uh, chat with Lindsay Vaughan, who assisted me recently on a course, and she wanted to ask some questions about hernias and lifting belts. Now, in the course of the conversation, we do talk about guys and hernias, um, but it's applicable to women as well, and I was just answering her questions. It's a question that I uh, get commonly asked about, so... Um, have a listen to that. And the other one was the use of lifting belts. So we're happy to start a conversation. Tell us what you think about lifting belts. I tell you what I think about lifting belts and uh, how we go about it. Hope you enjoy the episode and here we go. Welcome to the Women's Health Podcast. I'm Anthony Lowe, the Physio Detective. And I'm Marika Hart from Perisphere. Together we interview leading authorities and we answer questions and share our thoughts to provide the general public with the best quality information that we can find on all aspects related to women's health. Please remember that the materials and content on this podcast are intended as general information and they are for entertainment purposes only. They're not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Now sit back, grab your favourite beverage or do your thing and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, it's Anthony Lowe, the Physio Detective here and... Uh, this is Lindsay Vaughan. Lindsay Vaughan is a CrossFit uh, athlete. She's a CrossFit gym owner and she recently attended and assisted me on the female athlete course in Tamworth, New South Wales, Australia. And, uh, you know, Lindsay's very experienced. She's been competing at the regionals level in CrossFit since 2012, both in America and in Australia. And um, she's going to the CrossFit Games. So congratulations, Lindsay. I know yeah, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> long time coming, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to to being there and supporting you and helping you and um, catching up in Madison. But um, on the weekend during the course, I, I had promised to discuss hernias and lifting belts. And for whatever reason, it just slipped my mind to talk about it. And um, it's too much fun. <laughs> we were having lots of fun, weren't we? Like it was really yeah. practical and active and lots of discussions. So um, just missed out on the hernia thing and the um, and the lifting belts thing. So I thought, uh, I said to Lindsay, hey, why don't we record something? Because lots of people ask me the same questions. What do you do with a hernia? What do you do with lifting belts? What do you think about lifting belts? And then I thought, well, maybe we can talk about that and um, go forwards from there and put this out for other people to listen to and we can start a discussion. Because I don't think there's any right or wrong answer, of course, um, and go from there. So over to you, Lindsay, what, what are the questions that you had? Yeah, so specifically about hernias, I was curious about um, the umbilical hernias, just because we have a few older men who have um, the umbilical hernias as well as like, uh, as well as diastasis. So like those two coupled together, um, as well as like, just kind of bigger pot belly type of thing going on. And so I guess my issue or my thing as a coach is wondering, um, like with that umbil umbilical hernia, like what are, you know, what's okay to be doing and what's not because we always thought, you know, that sit ups and all this core stuff is not great for diastasis. Um, yeah, and just kind of figuring out what's okay with that. Yeah, look, I think, uh, first up, uh, I just want to clarify the question and make sure that I understood it. 
uh, umbilical hernias, uh, in particular, you mentioned guys, and, um, you know, I have, I'm guessing, what would be considered an umbilical hernia as well. Um, so, you know, guys with guts. Um, and the first thing to say, um, so, so that was your question, right? What to do with these people and, um, and, like, and you know, obviously. Is there anything unsafe or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely a tough question. So I always say the first thing that we've got to do is make sure that the, it's on the radar of the doctor so that they can always make sure that they can check in or, or you know, the client knows that um, medically they might have to do something about it. Um, so the next thing about hernias is that, you know, the, the, the umbilicus, the, the belly button is a structure that, is a break in that tissue anyway. Um, so, so it could be classified as being a hernia already because the abdominal wall has that separation around it. And, and so an umbilical hernia would be a stretching of what would be considered normal. Um, and, and the, the, the real problem with that is that if, if that hernia gets big enough that a loop of bowel can go through and can get entrapped then that's a medical emergency that might require that that requires medical attention absolutely and then it might even require emergency surgery now it's relatively rare but it depends on how you define rarity i think the bottom line is is that it shouldn't be painful it shouldn't be red it shouldn't be itchy it shouldn't be uh uncomfortable um and otherwise you know you you can do all sorts of things so um with me for example i have an umbilical hernia i have to be careful when i do ghd sit-ups um but it doesn't mean that i can't do ghd sit-ups i really got to think about okay how am i doing this am i blowing all the pressure out through that area or am I spreading it around my whole abdominal wall and thorax? So again, it comes back to that: how are we, how are we managing it? How are we doing things? That's more important than the um, the which exercises you can you can you and can't you do? So I think um, you know even pressing overhead, we were doing heavy um, heavy push press the other night. We were, we were doing um, we were doing eight at 90% of your 1RM strict press, right? And for, for me, I don't do a lot of volume. So that was a lot of volume for me. Yeah. And, um, and I could feel that towards the end, I was wondering, I wonder, if, I wonder if I'm pushing into my hernia a bit, just because I was getting super tired. We'd already done, um, uh, you know, 75% squat cleans three of them for, um, just for technique and, and, you know, it's, that was five sets of three. I was already getting tired, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> I believe it. It's, uh, I haven't had a weekend. Seems rough. <laughs> I haven't seems had a rough, weekend. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, before I would eat that for breakfast. So, mm. um, you know, when you get fatigued, what does that look like? What does it feel like? And I didn't, I don't think I made anything worse. It didn't feel uncomfortable. I just noticed that, hey, I'm putting more pressure here than I normally would. Um, you know, working on that GHD, the first few reps, 
I'll only go back with one hand instead of two because I'm feeling for, okay, what am I doing there in my abdomen? What am I doing when I arch backwards and come forwards? Um, you know, it's never really stopped me. I, um, it's never really stopped me from doing anything in CrossFit. The only thing that, that I am cautious of is what am I doing when I'm fatigued? Can I adopt a different strategy to stop forcing it through there? And when I can't adopt a different strategy, well, then I stop and rest, which let's face it on somebody as unfit as me, it's a welcome relief. I probably had to stop and rest anyway because of my cardio. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> time to rest <laughs> time to rest <laughs> yeah <laughs> cool um okay so just more like paying attention or having them pay attention obviously to where they're feeling the yeah pressure yeah and and if if they're concerned about it you know things like diagnostic ultrasound can can keep an eye on it can measure it mm. um and you know maybe they can get that checked six months apart or a year apart And if things aren't getting worse and they're doing everything at the gym, you know, you might be able to make an argument that um, it's not so bad. Yeah. But again, how you do it, not what exercise you're doing is more important. Yeah. I also love that. Sorry, sorry. I I was just going to say, I also love that North Coast, New South Wales, you know, your your coach walking past, (laughs) looks so summery in a bucket hat and a (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah. It's yes, the middle no, of winter is, for those who are like, going to be watching this. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful and sunny outside right now. It's like 20 degrees. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, still wearing, I'm still wearing a jumper, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, um, so I guess then, like for me as well, I feel like I need to take that responsibility to talk more with those members because generally uh, members with that type of hernia do not really talk to us about it. You know, they, they don't even talk to us about their diastasis. That was something that we found you know, watching them do sit-ups um, and saying like, oh, what's this happening? You know, they don't necessarily disclose all that information all the time because they probably feel like it's not uh, a huge deal, which it's great if, I guess, if they don't, they're obviously not having pain. So just maybe having that conversation so they understand what they're meant to be feeling. Yeah, um, no, I think yeah. certainly having it symptomatic, feeling it strain in that area. Like I'm not talking about the rectus and the obliques, feeling like they've done work, you know, that GHD burn after you haven't done them for a while. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about around the belly button, that strain in the middle, right in the center where you you don't normally feel a strain. You know, when I feel that sort of strain happen there, that's when I stop, I reassess, I rest, you know, 10, 15 seconds is all you need. And then I go back into it and see how I'm going. I certainly aren't, I'm, I'm not holding on um, you know, for dear life, trying to finish a set unbroken, or if it is yeah. max effort, it's like, well, I'm just going to call that my max because from that point onwards, I'm really just hanging on my ligaments. And, um, you know, I know that I'm mentally strong in many, many areas. There's no need to prove it here on this particular yeah. one. I'll just play, play a long game on that one and, um, lose the weight, lose the visceral fat. So losing the visceral fat, I think is really important. Um, so, you, you know, the skin and the, and the fat on the outside isn't really contributing to problems, uh, to do with diastasis or hernia, but certainly the visceral fat around your internal organs will exert yeah. that pressure outwards. And, and, you know, people who bloat with eating certain foods, um, as well as just 
having that visceral fat. Um, and you know, if if they if they've turned up at CrossFit Ballina to to get into shape and get back to being active and and all that sort of stuff, then uh, you know there's plenty of things that they can do that would work their their whole body, including their abdomen, without necessarily forcing that issue and um, and possibly making it worse. There's yeah. so many things, as, as we both know, right? There's so many things that you could be doing in the gym as a substitution to head them towards that. And losing 5, 10, 15 kilos of visceral fat um, will go a long way to reducing that risk of making that hernia worse. Yeah, okay. And you've seen you've seen it happen, right? Like how many transformations yeah. have you been a part of um, yeah. in your career? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, it helps. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. And then um, I also had a question about lifting belts. Um, yeah, like what they do if they're good, bad. I, I know that we don't say maybe not good, bad, but like what's the right way to use them? Um, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be helpful and safe and yeah 100% and you know what seeing as though we were just talking about hernia um, like umbilical hernia in particular there's mm -hmm. other types of hernias abdominal hernias inguinal hernias you know there's probably tons of them um, that get subclassified uh, for for an umbilical hernia a weightlifting belt can actually help um, okay yeah, because it, it helps to reinforce that area, particularly if you put the belt over the belly button. It mm -hmm. can help when the pressure is going out through there. It can help restrict that outward pressure, but you'd yep. have to test it. Right. Now, if you mean classically, just in general, and as you know, I prefer talking about the female athlete, but this applies to the male as well. Um, yeah. The... I, I personally have found three types of belt use and you can tell me all the ones that you've heard of, but there's, there's three general ones and I think the most common one is to pull the belt tight and the way that the belts are designed is that it sits just underneath the ribs and just above the hip bones. So you pull it in tight, you strap it on um, and people are taught to even brace into the belt or through the belt. That's that's commonly the cueing that I hear, brace into the belt or through the belt, and then they lift like that. And it can 100% increase the, the amount that you can lift and that you can do with that belt on. It allows people who have been injured to lift more than what they could do without symptoms. It, it can be helpful that way. But from my point of view with what I look at in terms of pelvic floor dysfunction in women, so leaking, pelvic organ prolapse, um, it can actually make things worse because it sends the pressure downwards. Um, so I'm not a fan of um, the belt. And also for GPP, for general physical preparedness, I'm not a fan of the belt. Like if we're... if if you're not going for a competition, like for example, if, if we were talking about you, where you compete in the CrossFit Games, where you compete, where five kilos can be the difference between placing on the podium and not, between qualifying or not, well then, yes. If, so long as you understand that, so long as you understand the risks, so long as you've 
made the adult decision to decide to lift more with a belt, then I'm going to support you, you know, um, because that's your decision. But if we're talking about somebody who's at at the best a weekend warrior, where their long-term goals are health and participation, not earning money, um, not seeking to win a competition or qualify for a national team, for example, then yeah, I, I advocate training without a belt. I liken it always to, um, you know, I, I'm a coach of different teams at different times and um, and I, I'm the type of coach that doesn't bench my weakest players. I don't try to get rid of my weak players. I teach my strong players how to play with a weaker player, um, keep the weaker player in the team and teach them the skills so that everybody uh, learns together and progresses together. And in the same way, I, I think a belt can be seen as accommodating for a weakness somewhere. And that's your weakest player and you need to develop that. And sure, your quads, your hamstrings, your glutes, your back, they're all doing great. But if your abdomen is falling behind, then you know, you can still work out all those other body parts in other ways and develop that strength and coordination that you need without the belt. It takes longer, but I think the results are better. You know, yep. if, if uh, somebody had an accident outside and they were trapped underneath a car for whatever reason, you know, you don't run out there and go, oh my goodness, we need to help move this car. <laughs> Let me go get my belt. Let me warm up. You know, I've got to make sure yeah. that I do all the mobility work. Do you know what I mean? Like you need to be ready. And I think we should train that way too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not having the belt. I don't know. I don't think it's a wise thing to do. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Not yeah. having the belt is a wise thing to do. Yes. Having to rely on the belt is not a wise thing to do. Yes. So that was kind of, um, then leading into the questions. We do have a few specialty athletes who work specifically strong man, strong woman. Yeah. Um, and they quite often use the belt, um, yeah. like for a lot of things like, you know, 60% deadlifting and, right. um, yeah. Then I guess my question, yeah, is like, okay, so they're not having, they haven't had pelvic floor issues or they're not leaking. Um, then for someone who's doing it as sport, like maybe at the higher numbers, they might throw the belt on, but try to keep the lower numbers and all that work with the belt off. So they're actually building the core strength yeah. to be able to contain that pressure yeah, so on so 60% deadlifts you shouldn't be needing a belt if you need a belt yeah. at 60% deadlifts you're not doing 60% deadlifts like yeah. something is weak <laughs> yeah okay um you know with that i it is a concession and i understand but it's something like 80 90% plus that's when i think mm. you should start throwing on a belt if you're going to okay. do that um, and that's like more for the serious, like uh, maybe not serious, but the, like people who have a specific goal in mind and that, that, you know, having the belts is going to really help them get there, I guess. Yeah. But is it more like even in training, do you think, like I oftentimes, I try not to use a belt at all. Like I oftentimes will use it when I get very close to max, like 90 plus percent. Yeah. Um, if I'm feeling weak or just not super great that day, I might use it. But um yeah, I guess, is it like, is that the better approach or is it like someone, if, if they're trying to get these numbers and they always use it at 90 plus percent, like, is, I guess looking at it that way, do you, do you think it's better to just always, or not use the belt as long as possible? 
And yeah, then my preference and my bias or in competition. Is, yeah, mine is not to use the belt as much as possible. And then when you start training for an event, you know, six to eight weeks out, start using the belt because you're going to need to get used to how it feels and that might take a few yeah. weeks anyway. And then yeah. you're going to need the time to get that extra little bit that the belt will give you. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, like, I mean, you can treat it as two different types of maxes. You could say it's my one rep max with a belt and my one rep max without yeah. a belt. And then you can train that way as yeah. well. So building up that, because you, you just can't lift as much without a belt usually, right? So, yeah. Um, you know, treating your one rep max, well, what is your completely unassisted one rep max, right? Because belts are legal and sleeves are legal, but not wraps or, you know, whatever the rules of your sport are, um, yeah. what is the completely raw, like zero belts, taping, whatever, what is that number and work and train with that yeah. and then progress up? It's it's not as sexy, it's not as exciting because you're not lifting as much weight, but yeah. you're going to be getting better in the long run is my belief. Um, okay. And then, and then you know, you can go from there. It really depends on what your sport is and why you're doing it. But um, that is the common way to use the belt. Um, I did want to talk about two other ways that I've heard about. Um, there is another way. So the first way is pulling tight. The second way is pulling to the borders where you don't cut in, where you don't shrink your diameter, but you pull to that border and then, um, and then you brace to the belt, not through the belt, if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, so bracing to the belt, not through the belt. And then that way it acts much more like yep. a, um, it acts much more like a, a oh, I don't know, like a teddy bear, safety blanket. Um, yeah. It's like there if it. you need it. Yeah, mm. it's there if you need it. It's going to give you support if you get into trouble, but it's not giving you tons of support right now. It's not like the support, the main Exactly, support. <laughs> yeah. exactly. And um, when you do that, then I think you'll be training your your own support systems to work the most. Yeah. And it's kind of like letting a kid walk with you just on the outside. You're not touching them. Yeah. But you're there for when they trip over and save their face from smacking yeah. into the ground. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, gotcha, yeah. Um, yeah. There's that. And then the last way that I've heard is that you put it on... So the first way is so tight, you can barely get a finger in, right? Yeah. I've the got a belt. Way. Do you want me to maybe show, or I don't know if I can get in the camera and show if you want. Yeah, maybe we can do that maybe yeah. in just a sec. Um, yeah. The second way is to put the belt on to the borders and you can often get a finger in quite easily, yeah. um, but not necessarily two. Okay. And then the third way it's roughly two fingers loose, and so it will look loose, but at mm. the bottom of a squat or at the bottom of your deadlift, it kind of gets tighter because your tummy like gets a you bit bigger. when you have the most compression. When you've got the most, yeah. exactly. And so then it, it kind of supports you. It gives you a hug at the bottom of your squat, mm. but it's not there the whole time. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? That that one is really rare. Like most of the people who've described that to me have said, look, it's because I've hurt my back before and I just feel like getting out of the hole. I, I just need to know that I've got some support there. Yeah. That's a safety blanket thing, right? So, yeah. okay, whatever. Like I don't think that's going to be the thing that absolutely blows out a prolapse for you. Um, yeah, I, I'm much more concerned about the first use of the belt, which is pulling tight and bracing through the belt. Yeah. 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 So if you're going to use a belt in my books, the second or the third way is, is the best. Yeah, okay, cool. How did we was, go? I think that was my question. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, thanks so much, Gentee. Oh, that's okay. Always, always a pleasure. And how did you go on working with those uh, itty bitty things that we looked at on the weekend? Yeah, good. Um, I've been doing some of the negatives on the handstand push-ups. Yep. And um, yeah, they're hard. I really struggle with them. So uh, yeah, I've been working on that. And then as well in the push-ups and stuff that I've been doing, just really focusing on not having that movement. Yeah, uh, yeah. the gymnastics arch, keep... I call it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, trying to keep everything just kind of, um, yeah, more neutral to that, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So Keeping things still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Well, um, thanks for the chat, and uh, hopefully everybody gets some benefit from this, and um, we'll go from there. Yeah. All right. Cool. Thanks, Lindsay. Yeah, thanks, Anthony. All right. Speak to you later. Yeah. Bye. Well, that's it for this episode. Please be sure to hit like if you enjoyed this episode and leave any comments or questions below because we'd really love to hear from you. If you haven't already hit subscribe, please do so now so that you can be kept notified of when we release a new episode. Otherwise, thank you for listening and we look forward to having you back with us for another episode of the Women's Health Podcast.